Welcome to this episode of Real Live Talk. I'm pumped that you guys are here to check out today's conversation. I uh, pray that the content of this episode blesses you, challenges you, makes you think, or something like that. And if it does, I just want to invite you to consider uh, subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review. If you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, that's amazing. Um, if you're listening to this or watching this live on Facebook or one of the other platforms, if you haven't already followed the Facebook page, there's a still a pretty new Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash real live talk podcast. And uh, that's where I put most of the content. And I'm just trying to streamline some things and make it a little bit easier for everybody to find stuff. And I feel like it's uh, helping me to provide you with some more meaningful content. So check that out. Follow the page. If you haven't already, you'll get notified of all future live events as they happen. And uh, yeah, again, just appreciate you guys for taking the time to check out this episode. Uh, let me just tell you quickly about my guest before I bring him up on the screen. Uh, Josh Cummings is the student discipleship and care director at Radiant School of Ministry. He's been in ministry for 15 years and has a passion for discipleship, theology, and the scriptures. His wife, Heather, is also in ministry at uh, Radiant School of Ministry, and they live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, with their two daughters, uh, love it. Let me go ahead and um, make sure I do this correctly. Uh, Josh hey. is uh, here with us now. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Duke? Uh, it's going great, man. Uh, you're awesome for doing this. I appreciate you, brother, for uh, for being here. So cool to yeah. reconnect with you. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for doing it. I'm really excited. It's good to good to see you again and um, be on the podcast. I'm really excited. I'm sitting here in one of our classrooms right here. This is where transformation happens right here it's where the magic happens love it <laughs> love it and uh so you and i i think we've been in ministry sounds like for about the same amount of time uh maybe you might have a year on me or something like that yeah but, i said uh, it's 15 years technically but it's been 16 years since i graduated from elam yeah i spent gotcha. a, one year working full-time in a warehouse and then just serving wherever i could in the church um so i technically i was doing ministry but on a volunteer basis. Yeah. And I think I was the same except one year later. So you were class of 06, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was 07 and then uh, basically took a year where I was working, got married in 08. And then uh, we were immediately in Mexico um, in, in ministry. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, brother. That's awesome. very cool. Um, so Kalamazoo, is um i mean that's just super fun that's a cool uh what, what's it what's it like there? i mean it's like as far as the name of a town goes it's amazing uh it sounds yeah. like it'd be a pretty cool place is it a is it a just a small town big town city what is, what's it like i mean it's a city it's uh it'd be a smaller city i mean if you live in new york or chicago it's going to seem tiny but um if you're used to living in the country you know it's going to seem like a, a bigger city in some ways um my wife and I live in a small town. Uh, we just bought a home this summer. We're just east of the city. Um, so it's nice. You know, you can you can go kind of from cornfields to the middle of the city pretty quickly. Actually, that's where our school is, right in the heart of the city downtown. And so um, it's it's a pretty cool area. Southwest Michigan uh, is beautiful. Lake Michigan is only about an hour away. Um, there's tons of little local lakes and you, you get all four seasons here. Really cool fall colors. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's a it's a great place to live. We we've really enjoyed it here. The winters are kind of like New York. Um, you know, they're a little rough for a while. About February, yeah. you start to get sick of it. Um, but yeah, it's great. 
and my my dad actually grew up in southern Michigan, um, a little closer to Detroit. So it's not entirely foreign to okay. for me. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so Kalamazoo is like where in Michigan? Is it more northern? Oh, so you, you got the mitten, right? Oh, you got to do the mitten. Okay. On camera, All right, right. you Detroit's Michigan people be on the east side, and then Kalamazoo <laughs> is going to be more on the southwest side. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, what do you know? The do you have any idea what Kalamazoo means? Because it's just like it's one of those things that like like kids, you know. I mean, it's just one of those yeah, kind well, of nonsense a, words, but it's but it's a cool. It's um, oh, is that what it is? Okay, it has Kalamazoo in it, and um, I read that as a child, and it just sounds like another like Timbuktu or some yeah, Timbuktu's a real place too. But both of them are used like they're a made up place. Um, and so yeah, you tell a lot of people, and they're like, oh, wait, that's a real place. Wait, where is that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it comes from a Native American word. Actually, there's the Kalamazoo River goes through here and stuff. So, yeah, I was trying to look it up real quick to see what it means. It says it could mean boiling water, or a place where water boils in Padua. Padua. I'm mean? so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. What? How is it? How do you say? It? I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's Potawatomi, but I Potawatomi. I. I'm so sorry if I've offended anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I was. I don't know if that's real or not. It could mean boiling water. There you go. So I don't know the story, but it's a yeah. it's a beautiful place. Um, and the our school of ministry is a part of a really thriving church here, and so it's a really great place. That's awesome. Ministry. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So Radiant School of Ministry. Um, how long have you guys been there now? My wife and I have been here just over a year, um, and the school started a year before that. Um, the school is led by uh, a friend of mine, Toby Cavanaugh, that uh, I went to China with okay. about 14 years ago. Um, you might be familiar with Toby and some of his Yeah, I didn't know. I, I am, but I didn't know that. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, he started a school for a year in New York state and then the church here asked him to partner with them and do a school of ministry here. And so um, he and his family and um, some of the staff moved out from New York um, to to lead the school. Um, and it's, it's pretty exciting. Some of our staff we've known already from our time in New York and, um, and a lot of them were heavily involved in campus target, which for those of you listening, that was a missions organization that Toby led, um, up until recently they had to go dormant because the borders are closed in China, but mm -hmm. they mobilized young adults for ministry to Chinese college students. And so most of them speak English, um, I went there 2008 to 2009 and had the opportunity to lead about a half dozen guys to the Lord, just sharing the gospel, making friends. Um, and it, it was awesome. That one year changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah, man, that's so cool. That, that had to have been uh, just such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think in and, a lot uh, of ways I was really like hesitant and uncomfortable about sharing my faith before that. And I kind of let it be like, you know what? Some people have the gift of evangelism and I'm just going to leave it to them. They can take care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'll just do whatever I'll do my job as a Christian, but that part that's for them. Cause it's just not me. Um, but then you do it and you're like, you know what? I can do this. And I've seen God move and God act. And it's not all on me. His heart beats for them to know him and he is drawing them to himself and I get to be a part of it. 
And so um, it was really, really cool. Yeah, man. I feel like we could do that with a lot of stuff, right? Like just kind of step back and be like, oh, someone else will handle that. Someone else will take care of that. Yeah. Um, I I remember I remember being at Bible college. And uh, of course, we both went to Elam, the same Bible college. and, And I just remember having conversations with other with other students about like, evangelism versus discipleship and like Mm -hmm. this kind of thing like oh like i feel like i'm more called to evangelism i feel like i'm more called to discipleship and that kind of thing and and my my thinking has has shifted on that um you know pretty pretty dramatically where Mm -hmm. i just think that you know as disciples of jesus christ we're all called to make disciples and evangelism is really just a part of that where you know whether it's through relationship or if it's through you know going out and um you know, doing the the work of an evangelist, as the Bible tells us of uh, or, you know, if it's like literally going out and evangelizing the nations or the street corners mm-hmm. or whatever. But, you know, ultimately, I, we're just we're all called to proclaim the name of Jesus and we're all called to make disciples in whatever, you know, capacity God has called us to do that. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. And there's some people that especially evangelism can come really naturally to their, um, right. You know, they're wired kind of as an extrovert and, and God gives them this kind of special grace in some ways to really succeed with what seems like less effort than the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really every ministry that you're going to be a part of needs to have a healthy balance of evangelism and discipleship on all levels. Like, if you're if you go to the mission field and you have crusades and you uh, you see people come to Jesus, but then you're not getting them plugged into local churches and small groups and seeing them discipled and reading the scripture and learning yeah. how to pray. If you're not doing that, that, that their faith is not going to stick or it's going to be really distorted. You'll have, um, you know, other sorts of belief systems that kind of mix with it. And so it's really, really important that we do both. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of churches as well, like focus on spiritual growth and discipleship and, and then they get so inward focused that they're not out reaching their community or reaching the world. Um, and yeah, come on. so it's really, really critical that if we're going to fulfill the great commission, it takes both, right? He, yeah. you know, he said to go into all the, the nations. Part of that is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that's discipleship. So they have to go together. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but c- could I get a little bit of a recap of like the past 15 years? <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of ground to cover, but just a little bit it of a is. recap from, you know, after Elam and how the yeah. Lord led you into ministry and then uh, kind of, you know, ultimately how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, well, I went to Elam as a senior in high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was looking at Oral Roberts and I was looking at Elam and Elam had this one year program that was really good. Um, And I knew one of the faculty members and I was like, I'll go for one year and I'll just seek the Lord and see what's next. And God really got a hold of my heart during that time. And I just stayed. I did the whole program, loved it. Um, And it was it was awesome. And when I was finishing up Elam started a new traveling ministry they were they called it Kingdom Force at the time and they were based out of the Bible College going around to different churches and um, leading worship and preaching promoting the school um, 
and doing all sorts of ministry. And I just felt the Lord leading me in that direction, um, raised a little bit of support, um, but kind of before we launched. And I graduated April 29th. And then I think May 1st or May 2nd, we started our tour. And so 10 months out of that year, we were on the road and we went to 35 states and I don't even know how many churches, a hundred and something, hundred plus churches. And it, it was crazy. Like just, you never knew what would happen next. You're just like on the road. Um, and we would do youth ministries, Sunday mornings, like special church events, outreaches, kids camps. We did everything you can imagine. And yeah. it was such, it was a lot like a greenhouse for all the things I had just learned in Bible college. It's like, okay, now I'm actually putting these into practice. Cause I had gone to Elam right out of high school. I didn't know much about ministry. Um, some of the people who had ministry and then said, Oh, I need training. I need education. I felt like they got so much more out of it than I did because I was just young and didn't know what to do. But this gave me a lot of experience and I got, to, we stayed in host homes. So, you know, probably over half the time that was the pastor. And so I got to sit across the breakfast table from pastors all over the country and just talk about ministry awesome. and life and theology. And, yeah. and it was, it was awesome. So, yeah, man, that's so great. I, I love it, man. Personally, like when we um, when we go and visit uh, places like we'll go, uh, we've got a trip next month coming up to um, to Mexico, to a city called Texcoco, uh, which is outside of Mexico City. And we've got a church there and, um, you know, we'd be going and they were like, so, uh, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay in a hotel? And I was like, I would really prefer to just to stay with people, you know? Yeah. And uh, even if I, even if you move me around a little, like, I, I just want to be, <laughs> I want to be with the people. Like I'm only there yeah. for a weekend, you know what I mean? So like, right. I want to be there and get as much time as possible with, uh, you know, people that I consider, you know, their, their family, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I love, there's, there's so much gold that happens and just so much fun stuff that happens at different times. Like when you just have the opportunity to just kind of, you know, hang out even outside of the regular church context, but you have those chances, the chance to eat a meal with someone and have those conversations. And you just learn things that you would never learn in a, in a, you know, you wouldn't just learn it in a church setting, but sitting uh, across from somebody who's got experience in ministry. And, and uh, I just imagine that that was so invaluable as a, as a young minister, just starting out. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. It was, I can share with you a thousand stories from that time, but the one really funny slash awful stories that <laughs> happened was we went to a church and, you know, before the service, we would usually list out what we're, who's doing what, all right, you're sharing, uh, you know, we're doing worship, we're doing these songs. And then, um, you know, the pastor is going to come up and welcome people. And then we're going to do this skit and we're going to share this story. And then so-and-so is going to preach, you know, just kind of yeah. like all out. Well, we started out with a funny skit um, for this service. I think it may have been like youth, some sort of youth service in the evening on a Sunday. And the pastor got up at the beginning of the service and he had told us, hey, I'm going to get up and start things off. And he so we had our skit picked. He pr prays for this guy from the church who had one of his um, workers on a construction business had fallen from a cherry picker and been 
hurt incredibly bad, um, like just maybe paralyzed. They didn't know. It was just an awful, tragic, terrible situation yeah. that had just happened within a couple of days. And so he asked everyone to pray. He's like, we're going to start out with prayer. We're going to pray for this. So we're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we we pray and that's great. And then, you know, it's the and now from Elon Bible Institute, Kingdom Force. And we we start out with our skit that we had planned on. And it's a skydiving skit. It's all about uh, falling and yeah. lots of jokes about dying and splat. And it's just it's we did not even know what we had done. We did this skit and it always got all these laughs. And we're like, this room is so dead. Right now. <laughs> like, tough what, crowd, huh? Yeah, tough crowd, right? And so we finished <laughs> the whole service. The whole service was kind of dead. It did not go well. We finished the whole service and we just happened to be close enough to our home base that one of the staff members had been with us. And we're driving home and... Um, she says, she says, one thing I, I would mention to you guys off of tonight is you, you need to pay a little more attention to your context, to what's happening mm-hmm. and adapt on the fly sometimes to situations. And I remember just turning my head, like what happened? What is she talking about? And then she spelled out for us what we did. And I just remember the, <laughs> like, I read like the embarrassment of, of like, we might not ever send a team back there. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it was rough. You know, I laugh now that it's been years, but uh, back then it was it was embarrassing. It was pretty rough. Yeah, um, but that's so funny. But you you have to <laughs> you have to learn from experience in the hard way sometimes. You gotta pray for this guy who just yeah. fell a really long distance, and he might yeah. not make it. And that was all of our joke. Immediately the way. afterwards, and it. You know, it was just, we were on autopilot a little bit. So, yeah. So, we, so I did that ministry for a year. And then as I was getting to the end of it, everyone's asking you almost like you're a senior in high school all over again. Like, what are you going to do next with your life? And I remember over and over telling every, people at every church we stopped at, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I just know I'm not going back to Kansas. <laughs> And so, so I stayed in New York. Um, I had no job, no car, no phone. I uh, hadn't had a cell phone yet at that time, even though a bunch of my friends did already. And, um, you know, kind of ran out of money at yeah. one point and all of that, the Lord provided. Um, I ended up, I had a job and uh, they didn't give me orientation. And so I was just getting no income for a while. And then the Lord provided a job um, real fast somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I worked in a warehouse at an audio company in Webster, New York, and um, it was great, um, you know, good, just regular job, work hard, make money. And then in my free time, I would serve at church as much as I could. So um, I served with Josh Finley in the youth ministry um, at my church and at Elam Gospel Church. And then I did a, a internship with their video team as well. I spent about 10 hours a week um, kind of working with their tech team at the church. And so I just invested myself into that. And, you know, my direction was local church ministry. Um, but I, you know, I didn't quite know where to go or what to take next. And then the Lord kind of blindsided me with this whole China thing. 
Um, yeah. So that was um, the other guy that started Campus Target with Toby sent me an email like, hey, do you want to have coffee sometime? I'd love to share more with you about Campus Target. And I knew, I'm like, okay, he's going to try and convince me to go to China. It's like, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> And, uh, so, but he's a good guy and he offered to, you know, offered to pay. And so I said, all right, yeah, sure. And then I just had this thought, this conviction that I should actually pray about this. Like if I'm going to be having yeah. integrity, like I can't just walk in and say, no, I need to pray about it. And the Lord told me to go. Big mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Big I mistake. know. Big mistake to, you know, say, I'll go where you send me Lord. Right. And, uh, but I, I absolutely prayed about it and just felt the Lord saying, I want you to go to China. And then I was that's like, awesome. I don't think that's right, Lord. <laughs> and prayed about it again. Just <laughs> it, it was absolutely God. And after two weeks, like by the time I actually had this meeting, I knew I was going to go. And uh, and the Lord took it from there. So That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It, it's, it's interesting. I, so I did the same thing you did. I went to Elam for a year. And then at the very end of the year, I decided that I was going to stay for three. And it was that kind of thing. It was like I, I knew that God was calling me to go there, but I just I didn't have any idea. Like I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. I knew that I was called to some form of ministry, um, had like prophetic words and stuff like that. And like I I had conviction, like I knew that I was called to something, yeah. but I didn't know what and. I just struggled with it and I fought God about it a lot. And I just said, I'll give you a year, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then the year was up and it was like, I, I mean, I didn't have any other plans or anything. And a couple, couple different, like within that week, a couple different, um, uh, just of the professors at, at Elam stopped me and just like, had no idea. Like I hadn't expressed any of the struggle that I was having or anything like that. But, um, one of them was, uh, was, was, uh, PK Kevin cook. So, yeah. so he, he stopped me and, and it was just like a very, very simple thing. He's like, so, um, I hear you're leaving, huh? <laughs> like, like one of those, uh, like Columbo questions, you know, uh -huh. it, was, it was one of those. It's like, uh, so I hear you're, uh, here we're in the cafeteria and he just stopped me. And I hadn't, I didn't even have a relationship with him at that point. Like I, I maybe yeah. had two talked to him twice the whole year. I, I didn't, I yeah. didn't know him personally. And uh, he just stopped me and, and asked me that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, yep, I just did a year and it's over. And inside I'm like dying as I'm saying it. Cause I like, cause I know, like, I know I'm supposed to stay, but like, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. I was just being so indecisive. And then um, he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I think I'm going to go, uh, you know, to another school and, like something and well i don't remember what i said fully and, and he's like well i think you need to rethink your strategy and then he just walked away and that was it and i was like it's like all right and it and it like it kind of got me it kind of got me thinking it kind of got me like it, it just kind of like a reset button for me it kind of got me out of my own head and it made me really think then some of my friends were getting together and they were like telling me things and it was just it was just this whole thing that god ended up orchestrating it ended up with me like in one of the prayer rooms on my face, like seeking God about what to do. And um, it was funny because I was freaking out. I was seeking God about what to do. And I just remember I ended up having like a really like powerful for me, God encounter. Um, like maybe the most memorable I'd had in my life up to that point where God was just started speaking to me about 
other stuff entirely. Um, and uh, but anyway, throughout that whole process, he he made it clear that I was supposed to stay. Uh, but then, but then my wife also, uh, Denise, well, who obviously wasn't my wife at the time, but uh, Denise did Kingdom Force as well. That's right. Uh, for I think it was just after me. I think it was just for a summer. Okay. Um, so oh. it was during Elam. Like it was, I think. Oh. I think she was on the tour that went out the summer after our freshman year. So I think it would have been okay. that would have been before you, because yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she did it for a little while and had some of those cool experiences and just being yeah. on the road. Like it's a pretty pretty interesting thing. What anyway? What's sticking out to me about what you're saying? And uh, we haven't even. I think we've only gotten through the first couple of years, right? But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but what's really sticking out to me is how. Uh, it's it's really cool how at the beginning of your ministry you got a chance to do so many different things yeah you know and to experience different kinds of ministry and it just kind of makes me think you know sometimes when um you know you want to maybe move up in a company or something like that it, you know it's helpful to get to know different aspects of the business so that you can understand and uh you know obviously this is not a business we're talking about but but I, you know i think it's a similar principle it's just cool that you've been able to be involved in youth and you were on the mission field and you did um, this tour where you were probably doing a lot of music ministry and yeah. drama and stuff like that. And uh, just to, a chance to experience different kinds of ministry, but like in a short window of time, all at the beginning yeah. um, of your ministry is really, really cool. Yeah. And it was so helpful. Um, one of the things that I, the new things that I lead at our school of ministry here is a third year residency program where after they complete their first two years of full-time, we place them in um, missions organizations or local churches to okay. do mostly ministry with just a little bit of online classes and discipleship from RSM. So awesome. we just launched out um, a half dozen students that are, you know, we got three in the U S and then I've got um, Mexico, Philippines, South Africa, um, students that are have already led people to Jesus and they're just out there doing ministry and taking those first steps and trying things and seeing what's a great fit for me what am I good at what am I what's really a struggle for me and um and how does how do these things work in real life yeah that's awesome man that's so cool so like what happened and I want to uh, get into talking about radiant and uh, a little bit about about the heart yeah. behind the school and everything uh, but so what was in between? So after Campus Target and all of that, what was in between that and and uh, RSM? Yeah, well, I served at three different local churches in between there. So when I was in China, um, Josh Finley, who you've had on the podcast, um, he was the youth pastor and became the senior pastor of my church. And while I was in China, he invited me to come on staff um, like 20 hours a week as the tech director. Um, right before I got back, he was like, can you lead the young adult ministry? I was like, yes, that'd be awesome. So I added on a few more hours and then I got here and I started and they had an opening in facilities and I was like, that will take me to full time. Right. <laughs> and so I took that as well. So I had three jobs when I started out in local church ministry, um, which I don't recommend, but, um, you know, you get pulled all sorts of different directions, but it was mm. great to just be all in with a, a local church community that is, you know, just on fire for the Lord, seeking God, you know, trying to reach their community and, and, um, and worship the Lord. And so, yeah, it was awesome. Um, though I look back at those years at being really, 
um, formative. I made some deep friendships during that time, um, got to serve in a healthy ministry environment um, and really get um, kind of mentored in some ways, not not like in a formal way, but just watching Pastor Josh and some of the other pastors. Um, I learned a whole lot about ministry during that time, even though my role uh, it evolved a little bit, but I was the tech director kind of became my full time thing. And uh, I, I was just really, really blessed to be there and, and to grow in that area and start to feel like I was a little bit more confident in ministry. Um, but and I was there five years. So really very invested in the church, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. My role, my role was the tech director there, and I felt like in a lot of ways I was, I was the the expert in that area at the church, and I was leading a volunteer team, so I was, you know, uh, connecting with them and showing care for them, um, and I was just really at home because I knew everyone. And the Lord started doing a number of things that kind of led me to, to take a step to move on. I felt like God was kind of pushing me out of the nest. Like I really didn't want to, mm. um, but a, a number of factors kind of came into play. Kind of the church was growing and launching. We launched a campus kind of the last year I was there and my role was kind of changing. And um, so I was just really stretched, really praying over what the Lord wanted for me. And um, I ended up taking a job as an assistant tech director at a mega church out in Seattle, mm. you know, 3000 plus people. Um, and so my role was mostly focused on audio there. Um, you know, it was a, a great church, um, but my, my work was really, I came to feel like anyone who knows the equipment and knows how to work with audio and tech gear could do this job. I don't feel like, like, I know I'm supporting the ministry, but it's feels very indirect. And I wasn't leading a team of people anymore. I wasn't praying over people or, or just having conversations um, with people about their faith on a regular basis. I was just working uh, for an organization with a skill that I had. And that's fine in a lot of ways, but I came to realize that wasn't what God called me to do. Um, and there were some other ways that I wasn't a good fit there either. Um, and they were, uh, their, some of their distinctive beliefs about non-essentials didn't line up with what I believed. They were a more Calvinist leaning church. Um, and I don't really come from that background. And so we ended up, um, getting connected with a church in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Um, and, So for five and a half years before we came here to Michigan, I was the community pastor there. And I So you went from, uh, wait, real quick. (laughs) You went from New York to Seattle? Seattle. To Pittsburgh. To Pittsburgh. Yeah. In a really short stretch of time. I only spent- That's unreal, dude. In Seattle. We, oh my gosh. Right before we moved, my wife had hurt. She hurt one of her feet somehow. Uh, then she bumped the other foot into her crutches and hurt a toe on the other foot. And we had, a, <laughs> yeah. And our oldest was I've never heard of that before. Our oldest was like nine months and we had to get all of our stuff across the country. So I, Ugh. we loaded up all our stuff in the U-Haul 
and I drove it with the car behind it all the way across the country. And you she the car. flew. Yeah. She had to fly, but because she was hurt, we had to get a friend who brought her baby. <laughs> and so, so um, the two of them and their babies like flew across the country. Um, and by that time, I had got into the apartment and everything uh, and gotten settled. But that's it, so crazy. Dude. And the first night I got there, like there was a mix up with our hotel reservation. So I had to go stay the night at my boss's house on the floor. Like, hey, good to meet you. I'm here. Can I sleep in your basement? And uh, but they were the the church was really great, really welcoming. You know, you think of um, Calvinists online. They have a reputation for being kind of harsh about certain issues. Mm -hmm. And in real life, though, like getting to know these people, they were filled with the love of Jesus, super welcoming of yeah. us. And um, we had we had a good year there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And then That's we, a we long had a way to drive a truck, a U-Haul with a it, car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How it, long did that take you? Five and a half days. Yeah. And uh, there was one stretch, well, one stretch from Omaha, Nebraska to Billings, Montana. That was like 18 and a half hours. That was a long day. I don't, I don't really want to do that again. That's so crazy. Is that just like nothing? Are you just driving? Is it pretty just flat and yeah, there's nothing? Yeah. Mostly nothing till you hit, um, you know, parts of Wyoming and Montana there at mm. the end. Yeah. But I had, we had like a small carrier. We we're trying to save money and they ran on sprint towers. If you have regular sprint, they had like free roaming on other networks, but the sprint network itself was not that extensive at that time and so i left omaha and i turned west at i think it's sioux falls south dakota and mm -hmm. then i lost signal and i had to get all the way i didn't get signal till the next day in spokane washington so my wife and my mother-in-law are like freaking out because oh, they're freaking out with the moving truck off the face of the earth who knows if he's okay or not i had to stop at a truck stop in call the people i was staying with in montana my friend rob's parents i had to call them from a payphone at a truck stop i was like do i have a quarter like how how do i use a payphone again um <laughs> there's some 20 year old this. listening to this like what is roaming yeah. and what is a payphone like that's exactly. not no yeah. clue yeah this was uh 2014 um so it was a little while yeah, ago. yeah not even yeah not even that long but not even only eight years ago but yeah that's crazy but it's crazy how far we've come anyway keep going it was crazy so it was a long drive um made it finally made it across the country but it was it was brutal but so that, we, nuts. yeah we went from seattle to pennsylvania um and i served as the community pastor at that church overseeing small groups which is one of my big passions in ministry they've impacted me so much um in my life and so groups volunteers, membership, um, their missions programs, just anything community related um, really was similar to an associate pastor sort of role in a lot of ways. And I loved it. It was awesome. That's really awesome. great pastor there, healthy church. Um, it was, you know, I kind of grew up in a more charismatic tradition and wh where I'm at now is more in line with that. This church was um, Methodist, but they were run a lot like a non-denominational church, um, uh -huh. and much more on the conservative side theologically of, of Methodism. And so it was, it ended up being a pretty good fit in a lot of ways. Um, That's awesome. really, just a great church, 
great leader to serve under um, there. And so it was awesome. And that was another just major growth factor for me in ministry is being able to spend five and a half years just in a healthy church, serving, building relationships, seeing God move, seeing people put their faith in Christ, seeing people deal with their, you know, all the, the pain and struggles of life that come up. Like people, we live our lives sometimes and just not aware of everything that people are going through. But I couldn't read through the prayer list every week without seeing something of someone who's just suffering. They, they lost, Mm -hmm. they lost a child to COVID or they're, they're going through cancer treatment and dealing with their own mortality or, um, you know, uh, people finding out their spouse is cheating on them. And like all of those things, you know, uh, a guy calls me up and says, Hey, um, you know, I, I know, you know, I've, you know, I've drink too much sometimes and I'm trying to grow on that, but I, I've been using cocaine on the weekend and I want to stop and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to tell my wife and all of that. And so I was able to walk him through that. And all, like all those situations are real life stuff that happens in churches and right. Churches get a, a bad rap so many times because, you know, some of it is fair and some of it's not, but really life change happens in the context of relationships in local churches and not not so much because, Hey, we have a a governmental structure or we have a denomination, like those things help us be organized. But really what causes change is conversations and relationships and bring in the scripture and bringing the spirit of God into those things. That's so good, man. Yeah. I think about that a lot because I feel like, um, you know, we put, we, we tend to put, um, a ton of emphasis, uh, you know, as pastors and church leaders, we tend to put a ton of emphasis on just like the, you know, the Sunday service and, yeah. you know, preaching and we want it to, you know, look good and sound good and, and everything. And, um, and it's, and it's, and it's great, you know, it's great. I think we should do, um, everything we can with excellence. Um, but when, you know, when you, when you step back and you realize like, um, that's such a small, that, that's such a small, n- not, not unimportant, but it's such a, a small, like percentage I would like of what mm-hmm. ministry actually looks like, yeah. um, you know, from day to day, because so much of ministry, especially, you know, particularly pastoral ministry. Um, but so much of ministry is like you said, it's like in the trenches with people mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's messy, man. It's messy, yeah. but it's, um. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just walking through life with people. It's not all messy. Some of it's amazing. A lot of it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, building yeah. relationships with people and being willing to, you know, kind of walk through those difficult, you know, moments and circumstances of life um, with uh, with people that God loves. And it's a it's a really amazing responsibility. Um, and uh, but, yeah, it's so much more involved. Like, I, I think that when, you know, people think about their pastor they might not realize, you know, all the stuff that actually that they're dealing with, all the stuff that weighs on them throughout yeah. the week, uh, you know, throughout a given year, like all the different things that they're um, just walking through and dealing with. And then I think people tend to forget that, like, uh, you know, the pastor, or the the person in ministry, like they have their own problems. <laughs> they have their own yeah. you know, issues of life that yeah. a lot of times you probably never hear about. Right. And you know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. um, 
it's only it's only it's only by the grace of God that that this works and uh, uh, that that we can you know do all this. But it's uh, yeah, I just think about that a lot because I I feel like you know something that Jesus was so willing to do was just to get down with people on an individual level. And yes, he would speak to the multitudes and he would teach and he would heal right. the sick and he would do those kind of big public things but then he was also so willing to like go and talk to Zacchaeus who everybody hated and to you know go and eat with him in his house and to spend that personal one-on-one time he was always you know just so willing to get into involved in somebody's life and to get into just the trenches of life with people um, in order to speak into their life to speak truth to them to call them higher to set them free to whatever but yeah man anyway so it's uh, that's really really cool that you that you had that that experience there's a verse i'm trying to think of right now um essentially yeah i I won't look it up but essentially (laughs) paul says uh we not only like did ministry but we shared our very lives with you Mm, and that's so so important for anyone in ministry to really get a hold of ministry is all about relationships Mm -hmm. it's all about people and it's not about the stage. It's not about yes. like influence and marketing and um, image at all. Um, and I mean, yes, there's an element of you could you can call it influence, right? But you're you want to point people to Jesus, um, and part of what that takes though is relationship. It's allowing yourself to hurt when they hurt. Yes. You, know, you know you have a ton of other responsibilities being present in the moment with someone in the hospital. Um, it's, yeah. it's yeah. allowing yourself to, um, just, yeah, be in the trenches with them and, yeah. and bring Jesus, you know, John, uh, was it John 11 with Lazarus, you know, Jesus knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus. He knows this is going to be better. Um, but he comes in and he just weeps with them. Hmm. He's ready to do a miracle, but it hasn't happened yet. He just weeps. Yeah. And then, and then we see as well, like, you know, um, in the new Testament, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who or rejoice with those who rejoice and and mourn with those who mourn. So, uh, it's so important, so important in ministry, um, that I think our world runs on image and runs on power Mm. and money. And that's not the way of Jesus. Um, yeah, you know, if you, um, there's a, a book I'm partway through, it's called the way of the dragon and the way of the lamb. And it kind of contrasts these things talking about, you know, the world goes after the way of, of power. And, um, and that's often what the enemy does is trying to get us to believe Mm. this is it. This is the way that we make an impact is Mm. through taking on the methods of the kingdom of this world. Um, but the way of the lamb, the way of Jesus is the way of weakness. It's, it's hard. It's not really appealing uh, to our flesh. And yet that is what transforms the world. That is where life change happens. That's, and that's where we find um, ourselves living in the will of God and making an impact for his kingdom. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was just reading uh, this week in, um, in second Corinthians chapter four, He's like, you know, to, uh, verses like seven and eight. I think I think verse eight is the verse that's like, um, 
we are you know pressed down on every side but we're not crushed we're we're persecuted but we're not destroyed you know all that mm-hmm. and the verse preceding it is um uh, we carry about this treasure in earthen vessels yeah. and, and it's like that the excellence of the uh i forget but but basically that it's it's about god and it's not about us mm-hmm. right and so we we just we have such a privilege as god's kids whether you're you know in full-time vocational ministry or not um it doesn't matter like we all we as god's sons and daughters like we all have just this incredible privilege of just carrying his presence with us you know and and his his love and the fact that we've been renewed and transformed and yeah we're still in process but like he's he's doing something on the inside of us and um you know there's there's so much stuff that happens but like even when we're you know even when we're pressed down even when it's difficult even when it's challenging and it's painful and it's frustrating um we it's not to the point that we're destroyed because he's he's already he's positioned us in a place of victory and so when we when we keep our eyes on him when we keep our focus on him he gives us everything that we need he, he gives us he gives us everything that we need and so um you know not to adopt any kind of like a a victim mindset or anything like that that would say like oh like this is just so hard and i'm stuck in it no like this it does there, there are times where it is it is really hard and it is really yeah. frustrating yeah. Um, but he's always with you and he's always faithful and through that um just you know th- the glory of god is just being revealed in in incredible ways and you know even when we you know you, you get you get further down um to uh i know it's verse 17 but i just i just blanked on what it says <laughs> um 18 is while we look not at uh, while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are unseen for the things which are seen are temporary uh mm-hmm. but uh, verse 17 is uh, where he says oh these momentary light afflictions are but for a moment but working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. So even like um, God, God is God's so good that even those difficult circumstances and those difficult, those challenging things that we go through, whether we're dealing with it or we're walking with somebody else through it, mm-hmm. um, that it's 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 working something because God doesn't God doesn't allow anything to be wasted, yeah. you know. And He's such yeah. a redeemer and He's yeah. such a restorer that. Um, yeah, man, it's just uh, he he works just incredible things out of the worst circumstances of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I wanted I wanted to say because I, I think that that's what that's what discipleship is about. It's about being in those. It's about relationship. You know, like discipleship doesn't really happen. I don't think from from a platform, you know, or from from a distance. Discipleship, real discipleship is walking through life with people. And sometimes it's as simple as like sharing a meal with somebody. Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, just, just spending time with somebody, walking them through a challenge mm-hmm. that they're going through or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's relational and that's where, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, real, real life and real ministry uh, takes place in that, you know, kind of closer knit, not to say that pulpit ministry is not real ministry. It's part right. of it, but, mm-hmm. but as far as like the real growth, I think that takes place in the lives of people um, in terms of discipleship and becoming yeah. stronger, more committed disciples of Jesus. It happens in the context of, of relationship. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And I, I think one of the, my dad's a pastor and I think one of the things that um, 
marked kind of how I viewed ministry as a kid is that there were always people in our house just sitting across the kitchen table from my dad or my mom, like on a regular mm. basis. That's so uh, good. I remember, you know, at times I'm just playing, I'm just in my house doing whatever I want to do. And I walk through the kitchen and my mom is just looking some woman in the eyes about to tear up just because she cares so much about them and what they're yeah. going through. Um, and, you know, I remember having, um, you know, just having large groups of people and small groups of people over at the house at all different times because, you know, we were sharing our lives with them and serving them and um, pointing them to Jesus. And so um, I was blessed to kind of get a picture of yeah. relational, healthy, small scale ministry, even as a kid. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. And some of these things, it's harder to do on a bigger scale. You've got to come up with mm. various systems to make that happen because, you know, if you pastor a church of thousands of people, there's it's a practical impossibility for you to do this with everyone. And so then you have to come up with ways to make sure that people are being discipled, that they are being cared mm. for, you know, when they're yeah. when they lose their their um their mother, right? Their mother deals with cancer or something and passes away. Like who, who in the church is going to be there for them? Who's going to like organize a meal train to get them meals or whatever. Um, you have to be really intentional about making your big church feel like a small church and making make sure people are cared for, but also like challenge to grow. Um, human nature kind of leads a lot of people to want to mm. come in the back row and not really be noticed and not mm. engage too much so that they get challenged but just to kind of get out of it what they want but the truth is that the gospel challenges us and we can't live the same way and there needs to be someone who's speaking that to us in a mm. loving graceful respectful manner and so um you know healthy churches bring that down to a real grassroots level it's it's your small group leader or um, you know, if you're a high schooler, one of the student ministry volunteers or whatever is there in the trenches with you, caring about you, they know what you're going through and they're pastoring you on just on a small scale. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I, I just, I wanted to ask you, uh, and you, you touched on this with, you know, your experience with going to Elam and kind of being there for a year and then um, God, you know, making it clear to you what you're supposed to do after that. Mm -hmm. But how did you did you know? So like when you when you went to study at Elam, like, did you know that God had called you to ministry? I'm curious about like how how God made that clear to you. Like like at what point was it a progressive thing or was it something that was more sudden where, you know, you just you knew that God was calling you to this kind of lifestyle? It was very progressive from yeah. for me in my life, having grown up in the church, uh, there wasn't like a, a turning point moment where it's like I was sitting in this pew at this church and the Lord spoke to me. And then that's what I've lived out the rest of my life. It wasn't like that at all for me. Um, yeah. It's tempting to frame it that it's always that sort of transcendent moment for people. And it's like, yeah. you know, God's going to call you and it's going to be this specific thing and your life will never be the same. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, especially who grow up in the church, it is more progressive. It, and the Lord gives you bits and pieces of it sometimes over time. Um, you know, there, 
had a couple prophetic words um, when I was a, like a middle schooler or so about some things, um, but nothing that was like, you know, super clear. Mm -hmm. And then as I just pursued the Lord, I took that year at Elam and just a lot of time studying the word and praying and seeking him as well as taking classes. Um, you know, Elam as well as RSM here really put a high value on the presence of God and encountering him um, and not just books. And so it was a little bit over time. Like I remember specific points at Elam where I felt like the Lord was saying like, you know, I've called you to be a man of the word. Uh, and then another time, like I've called you to be a man of prayer and I've called you to be a worshiper. And, you know, just kind of bits and pieces that have sent me in a certain direction. And then just letting the Lord, inviting the Lord into my life decisions of what's next. Right. I finished. Yeah. I finished that kingdom force tour. I was living on campus in this tiny little basement apartment with two other guys. And I did not, didn't know what was next. I don't remember if I had a job yet at that point. I think I did, but, um, a friend of a friend who had gone to Elam was leading a youth ministry in Rochester. They were looking for someone. I had studied youth ministry at Elam and they wanted someone so because they knew they had to leave in a year and they wanted to bring someone in and transition a nice long process, like a year long to have someone mm -hmm. lead a group when they left, um, which is a great strategy. And yeah. initially I was like, yes, this is my moment. This is exactly what, um, I've been training for and what, you know, what God wants. And I talked it over with, I think one of my, one of my mentors and then realized I need to pray about this. Um, and so I remember laying down on the couch and just praying like, Lord, is this what you have for me? Um, and just getting a resounding no. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, this is logical, God. I studied for this. Yeah, man. I, yeah. Like, this is a good step in. I'll be working with somebody else. I can phase in. Um, I thought this is what I should do. Um, and God said no, and I didn't, didn't understand why. But I mm. passed it up. And then I got more involved at, at my church. Um, and it's at that church um, where I met my wife. It was at that church where I got connected with Campus Target and with Toby, who now I'm ministering with. Yeah. And all of these things in my life would not have lined up the way they did um, if I had made that choice, which seems so logical, like just a great next step. Um, mm -hmm. My wife and I, um, you know, our life story, as, as I've told some of it, it looks like on paper, like it just bounces around. Like, yeah, what are you guys yeah. doing? Like get a focus and do it. <laughs> uh, and you know, a, a high school guidance counselor is going to look at our lives and go, "You guys need to get it together." Um, yeah, pick a but, lane, bro. Come on. Yeah, but what we what we both sought to do before we met, and we've been married ten years now in ministry, we've sought to be led by the Spirit and to mm -hmm. bring Him into all of those decisions, and they don't always make perfect sense. Um, but we have seen God move. And then when we look back, we see that thread of the hand of God. Yeah. Just sovereign, yeah. sovereignly guiding us. And what here's what he taught me there. And he did this because he was preparing this. And and this was about that. And um, 
the way God put it together is beautiful. And we're so thankful for his hand on our lives. Um, but we, our job is to submit everything to him and to be led by the spirit. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's so good. Um, it's funny cause, uh, I had a similar, well, I have a very similar experience, um, to, to what you shared. And it was funny because as I was getting ready to graduate from Elam, I, um, the opportunity came up where, uh, it was actually, uh, uh, offered to me to lead the, the kingdom force team. Oh um, yeah. So that would have been a year after you, I guess. Okay. Um, so, I, so, um, you know, I mean, to, I don't know, to lead it, like, like right. I the think that's how they presented it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how they presented it to me. And, um, I wanted it, man. Cause it, it, it sounded so cool. And I was like, man, and my wife had done it and I had heard cool stories. And I was like, man, being out on the road and like some of my friends were in it. And I was like, this sounds so cool. And I was thinking at the time, like I had like just that year become a, a worship leader and was kind of growing into that. And it was still one of those things where, I mean, they wanted me to to do some worship leading and stuff like that. And I was like, that was still something that was stretching for me. But I was excited mm-hmm. because in my mind, it's like, I'm going to be a rock star, like, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and so I was excited about it. I, w- I wanted to do it. I mean, I mean, there were, there were people that I looked up to and respected and trusted that were, that were saying like, I believe God is saying to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, after I struggled with it, man, but after I, I, I really uh, sought the Lord, um, and I heard him speak, he was just like, like, no. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, uh, I think it would, I mean, it could have been great. could have been awesome. Uh, yeah. but the things that God led me to do in that next year of my life, mm-hmm. some things that to, to just take care of and put in place and everything, um, like everything I, I just think about it. And I'm like, everything could have been totally different as yeah. far as like, even me, like getting married to my, my wife now, like probably wouldn't have happened. Like I, I look back and I'm just like, um, you know, thank you lord for just making that clear to me Uh, but it's 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 tough when you have like like everything just seemed like it was lining up you know what i mean like you've ever had those things where it just seems like like you said it's just so logical to do this yeah like everything was lining up like everybody i mean to the point where it happened in such a short time like it felt like for me to say no i'm gonna let everybody down like i'm gonna let so many people down that are that are kind of like you know, they, they want me to do this. They feel like this is, and I just ended up, you know, I, I just couldn't do it because I, at, at the end of the day, the Lord was leading me in a different direction. Yeah. And, um, it's crazy how that happens, man. And, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, as you said, just being led by the spirit is so key. And even when it seems like it doesn't make sense, I mean, he knows, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's leading you to. Yeah. And, you know, not everything has to look the same and the fact that you've moved from coast to coast like, <laughs> like multiple times uh, is so crazy but yeah. it's it doesn't surprise me that god would do that because he's he's just he's creative and he doesn't have a one size you know fits all strategy and yeah so well part of so part of what the lord can i share with you part of what the lord did in my heart during that time in seattle yeah. the yeah the back and forth snip snap the ping pong yeah, yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, we, I was in New York and I was under, um, pastor Josh Finley. And then the youth pastor was Seth Goodson, who was one of my classmates. Mm -hmm. 
And both of those guys are wired like to be very visionary and they're really good people skills um, and really seem really confident and comfortable with, with leadership on a high level. And I was looking at myself going, I know that I am not wired like those guys. Mm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more introverted and I don't always feel like I have that much vision like they do. Maybe I'm not cut out to be that mm. pastor, that kind of minister. And yeah. so I was the tech director and I was like, I can be good at this. Like, this is my role. I know this stuff and I can teach this to people and I can, I can equip, um, you know, and make ministry happen in my church yeah. This is my lane. And then kind of as, as I left, I took that lane like to the highest level basically. And <clears throat> then I found like the Lord just kind of redirecting me saying, this is, mm. this is not your lane. Um, I have something greater for you. And when I stepped into my role in Pennsylvania at the church, the senior pastor was wired a lot like me in a lot of ways. Mm. His personality was like me. Uh, he, you know, kind of the way he thought and lived and it was, he was just wired more like me, but he was a great leader and he was good at what he did and people felt cared for and the church was healthy. The church was growing and I kind of came, it was really a cool thing where the Lord through these three churches, the Lord taught me like, Pastors come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and the Lord calls you to do what he wants to do through you. Don't compare yourself to other pastors and other people. And, you know, no matter that's true and kind of no matter what you're doing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to what the word of God says and what the the spirit is saying to you. Um, You know, who you are, you know, you find in the scriptures, uh, what God says about you. And, um, and over time, you also kind of experience like just how you're wired mentally and emotionally and what you're good at. Um, and the, the Lord doesn't want you to compare yourself to someone else, but to actually, yeah, come on. I was, I was afraid to step out into certain things because I compared myself. Um, and this kind of gave me more boldness to step out, to take more risks and do more, uh, ministry in the local church. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, let's get to uh, RSM. So uh, what is the uh, just kind of the overall focus of Radiant School of Ministry and and, and your heart, you know, yeah. just behind? Yeah. The, the mission of the school is to train and send out pioneers with a heart for revival. Um, and a lot of this comes from um, Pastor Toby and his um, heart for ministry and, and what the Lord's put on in his life and also the mission of the church here um, as well. And so we, we not only seek to train people for ministry, but to send them out to walk with them through that. So I mentioned that year three program that I'm doing this year um, is that's part of our sending process. And then, you know, as we progress through this year, we're going to be working with them for placement and finding places to do ministry fully on their own. Um, and we're also, you know, the, we also encourage our students to start new things, to do new things, Mm -hmm. to be pioneers. Um, because if you look at 
our culture and and what people believe and you look at the numbers of christians in this country um you know the numbers are going down and let's be honest like what we are doing is not working and so we need new um missions strategies to reach our own backyard we need to think about our country as a mission field and we need to do new things that that reach this culture um, with the unchanging gospel of Jesus. And so, so that's a big part of it. And the school just has a big heart for revival as well, just to see, see God moving in, um, miraculous ways to see people putting their faith in Jesus, to see, um, you know, just really powerful movements of the Lord in our country. Um, and, you know, we, we see some of that on a small scale and we're praying to see that on a large scale. Mm, that's awesome, man. So do you, do you find that, does it, does it seem like a lot of the students that come through RSM are kind of in a similar boat to like where you were, where maybe, you know, there was this kind of maybe feeling like you were supposed to do something in ministry, but not really certain as far as what it was, didn't really know what God was calling you to. Um, do you find that that's kind of a, a theme or do you think i mean because people are coming to yeah. the school to uh would you say they're coming to get trained f- to for ministry for full-time ministry or are they um or is it broader than that it's um it's both and here's kind of our approach year one is broader it's more designed gotcha. that should be a gap year almost like mm-hmm. elam has their one-year program uh, mm-hmm. It can be a gap year, right? If you're if you're like me, you don't know what's next, but you want to seek the Lord. Um, it's a great way to do that, to grow in your faith, get some Bible knowledge, learn how to do basic ministry, go on a mission trip um, and all of that. And we had some students who were here last year. You know, one of them is going to be a, a counselor. Um, another one's going to be a teacher. And they've, you know, that is their ministry to them. Um, it's not traditional full-time ministry, right? So we've got some students that do that for a year. Um, then the year two program and year three, which kind of goes with it in some ways are for people who want to go into full-time ministry. Um, and we've basically seen about 75% of students advance to the next year each year, or maybe more. Wow. Really high percentage. Um, awesome. If you look at the national average, that's not really normal, um, but there's some cool stuff God's been doing here. And so generally 75 to 80 percent of our year one students will stay and do the second year. Um, And then, yeah, we had of our students that did year two last year, we we have six in year three, three of them who came uh, on staff with support raised and joined our staff. And then uh, two who got jobs in local churches um, doing, you know, youth ministry or whatever, just jumping right into ministry. Uh, Another one who um, is doing college ministry up at Michigan State. Uh, And Hmm. so they've been just, especially those students that stayed for year two, um, almost all of them are like, yeah, let's go into ministry. And this is my plan for my life. And this is all I want to do. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. So uh, you personally, as the student uh, discipleship and care director, what does your role look like? Yeah. So 
much like I got to kind of coordinate a group's ministry at my last church, uh, we have student small groups um, once a week, uh, as well as a whole bunch of student life stuff, um, just fun nights together or, um, you know, yeah. So just kind of facilitating care and discipleship. We also, in addition to groups and some of our events, we have um, regular one-on-one -on -one meetings where mm -hmm. for discipleship and, and just care in general. So the, the staff will meet with a year two student and then the year two students meet with year one students. Um, and they kind of okay. get a taste of learning how to have these conversations that point people to yeah, cool. spiritual growth. And, um, you know, it's a little messy. They're, they're not always like, you know, maybe the quality isn't quite as good as a staff member, but they're getting a taste of um, learning how to minister to someone face to face and build them up and ask questions instead of telling them what to do and point them towards yeah. Jesus. Um, and so that's, um, that's a really big part of what we do. And that was something that I got to experience when I went to China. That was part of Toby's uh, missions organization structure was these regular one-on-ones. And I, I mean, I grew so much from them. Um, and, and we've brought that in from kind of a missions model into a school model. Um, mm. And it, it adds some complexity. I mean, trying to figure out the list of like small groups and who's meeting with who for their one-on-ones was, you know, really a big complicated puzzle that I had to solve. Um, it's almost like in some ways, like picking tables for your wedding of like who sits with who and how this mm -hmm. all works. Um, but it's such, it's worth all the work because we see so much fruit um, from these close relationships. We're, yeah. we're just setting people up well to have close relationships that are centered on Jesus, right? We, I mean, we, yeah, fun is great, but you know, that's not like the main purpose, but that is part of sharing life and living in community. But we're setting these groups up with the target of spiritual growth, with the target of making sure that no one is left out and feels uncared for. Um, you know, people come in, you know, we've, you've got a, like a, a large percent of, you know, students who come through radiant through the church and they're fairly familiar with everything and they might even know some of their fellow students and feel at home and then you get a handful of students from this church and that church and and you know ohio or indiana or something and like we want them to be immediately loved and welcomed into yeah the group and not made to feel like oh you're different and or we forgot about you or anything like that and so we're intentional about making space for discipleship conversations and life on life stuff just like you would in a church um yeah. we try to create a sort of family structure here where um, we are sharing life together we care about one another every week in our groups we do our highs and lows what was the high of your week what was the low of your week and it's a just a classic small group move. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's done so much because it's important. It's like, I want to know what was hard in your life this week. Um, and mm. I want to know what brought you joy and, and celebrate yeah. your successes. You know, that's so good, man. I love that. I, I love, I love the word you use there. Intentional It's like being intentional about the discipleship and the relationship building 
and about getting involved in your life and caring about you and what's going on. And it, it's cool because I think that discipleship really works the best when it happens. It's kind of like a like a mix. Like it's it should happen naturally, but yeah. it doesn't happen unintentionally. Yes. Right. Like it's not like it just happens by accident. It's something that you want to be intentional about because by accident, like you might settle into like, we're just, we're just having fun. We're just hanging out. And that's part of it. As you said, like that's, a, that's a part of growing together in community and relationship and mm -hmm. all of that. And uh, God wants us to have lots of fun, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the intentionality of saying, you know what, like we're actually doing life together for this season of life that we're here. Yeah. Like, we're doing life together and we're going to grow together. We're going to be there for each other. We're going to impact mm -hmm. each other's lives. And uh, you know, it just, I, I love it. I mean, we could come back to the same thing, but yeah. just so much of There's, that growth process happens through that just relationship. Yeah. And a lot of ministry is more like, you know, it's like building a trellis for the vine to grow up, right? It's mm -hmm. the, the vine is going to grow like in that. some yeah. direction, but if you want it to go a certain direction and look a certain way or, or be healthy, you have to build the trellis for it. Um, but a trellis by itself is like, all right, it's just a boring, you know, yeah. trellis. what's it going to do? So you need the, you need, but you need that structure so that the organic thing can happen and happen better and more efficiently. Right. Sometimes it's like, well, it can, ministry and discipleship can happen, but we want to set it up well to, to ensure that these sorts of relationships and conversations happen, um, not accidentally, but intentionally yeah. just support yeah. that. So churches do that one way and, and schools do it other ways. Um, RSM brings a lot of missions sort of strategies into what we do. Um, and, and hopefully our students leave with a really strong heart to see the world come to know Jesus, not just their neighbors and not just to be content with the way things are, but to have a heart to, see the great commission being accomplished um, in the nations and in their neighborhood, if they're, whether they're in a local church or they're in the Philippines or wherever um, to be a part of God's mission of redeeming mankind, renewing creation, seeing all people come to the knowledge of him and experiencing his presence, his love, his grace um, and forgiveness. So that's so good, man. A uh, couple just basic questions uh, like, uh, is it um, is it all in person or do you guys do online stuff as well? How does that work? We are um, primarily in person, but some of our new awesome. programs are not. So I mentioned the year three program. All their classes are online and they um, we have one retreat partway through, but some of our missions people can't come back for it. Um, so that is your three is mostly online and then they're in place in whatever church or ministry they're a part of. And then we just started a really cool, um, part-time program for working adults because our full-time program is college age, like 18 to 25. We started a program this year that my wife is leading, um, called launch for working adults to transition into full-time ministry and they get mm -hmm. their experience and mentoring like face-to-face -face conversation in their church and we rsm provides an online platform with classes um and and periodic um like small small groups we call them peer groups 
Um, and then several retreats as well, where they three times in the year, they come into Kalamazoo where we have kind okay. of intensives in-person stuff, but most of the year is all online. Um, and we wrestled with how to do that in the beginning because we believe so much in the value of face-to-face -face discipleship, yeah. life on life sort of thing. Um, we don't want to be like some big university that just runs a whole bunch of people through classes and we never get to know them. And um, they just learn some facts and check off things and pay us a bunch of money. That's not what we want. Um, so we, we really shaped it around a partnership with the local church in a lot of ways. And so that senior pastors now they can go, all right, I've got a 30 year old with, you know, a couple kids and a good job that has a heart for ministry, but they don't know where to start, don't know what to do. And they can't really move away um, to go to a seminary or a ministry school. Right. And so this allowed, plus the pastor doesn't want to send them somewhere where they don't come back from. Right. Sometimes people go to, you know, maybe IHOP or Elam or something and they stay there. I mean, I didn't want to go back <laughs> either. Um, but uh, the thing is like those pastors, they want those people who are already involved in their church to, to be equipped for ministry in their context. And this allows us yeah. to, to do yeah. that. It's a huge blessing to the pastors um, as well as the students uh, in a lot of ways to do it this way. So there's some partnership that goes on between the school and then the church that the, that the, you know, yeah. say the working adult wants to be mm -hmm. uh, a part of. And so is that something that takes place? Like, do you have, um, is that, just, I, I, yeah, I just wonder logistically. So is it like, that's if somebody, if somebody that's never, it's from a church that has like never, you know, worked with you all in the past and they yeah. say, I want to go to this school, then is it kind of like you all reaching out to the pastor of that church and, you know, yeah. seeing if that's something that they're on board with? And we kind of do what we can to make sure that they have a conversation before things get very far on our end. Um, because yeah, yeah. the core of it's a two year program. And like this is a significant commitment by the pastor. Uh, it doesn't have to be the senior pastor necessarily, but this is a large commitment by them. And so. We want them to start out with a conversation. They need to get on the same page. They need to talk about the program and talk about God's call for their life and um, then explore it with us and see from there. Fill out an application, check out the website, all of these things. Um, but what we don't want is just some random person going, hey, I want to do this. Come find me a pastor I can work for, uh, you know, work or serve yeah, on, yeah. while I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we want it to be within churches and hopefully there's already a moderately strong relationship between this person and their pastor. Mm. You know? Because the truth is if the pastor doesn't know them or approve, like approve of them having at least potential to go into ministry, well, we don't really want to put them through this program. You know, we, we want people who are, um, who the pastor can work with and who knows they have at least the potential to become a, a really good um, minister of the gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I see a lot of, I see a ton of value in that. That's a, that's a unique model. Um, the pastor is kind of a filter for us in some ways because mm -hmm. the pastor has to be on board. And so at times there may be a few students that were the pastors like, I, 
we don't know them. We don't know if they're ready or not, but the pastor actually knows them in real life and, and might be able to go, okay, I don't know if this is the right path. Um, but most of the time, I mean, we thought this program would have like 10 students the first year we were wanting to just do like a easy, yeah. like soft launch. And our church network has like gotten so excited about it. We have like 25 students. This is the first year we've done it. We didn't do any marketing. Like we didn't do some big Instagram push or anything. Yeah, It's just organic. We told our pastors and we've ended up with a ton of people just jumping on board. So we have, that's crazy, man. That's yeah. awesome. Between all of our, we have like 47 full-time students and then like 50-ish at our local part-time and then 25 more online part-time. So we have around 120-ish um, students. That that's awesome. Doing. Yeah. Uh, that's that's crazy. That's great. Yeah. So like, were you expecting for there to be a little bit more like, I don't know, for there to be some pushback from... <laughs> <laughs> from on the like on the pastoral side and stuff like that but then it was it just kind of it, it caught yeah. on more than you were expecting that's cool to some degree yeah but we've had a few pastors that were apparently just waiting for something like this that's and awesome they had people in mind that they right away they're like i want this person to go through that program yeah some of what's happened is the pastors themselves have been the initiator and said like i know this person and and their capacity. Yeah. And I, I want to talk to them about doing this. So. Well, that's a really cool partnership that, that happens. It's yeah. that, that's really, really cool because it, it kind of gives the, it kind of gives the pastor some context for, you know, having maybe some one-on-one -on -one time with that student yep. or for like giving that, that student some opportunities to minister and stuff like that, where, uh, you know, maybe there could be some, Maybe there could be some walls up or something like that that would just make it a little bit difficult in a traditional setting. But because it's they're going to school for this and because there's this other thing, this other relationship that's happening, um, it's it, it's just like, you know, it, it kind of creates that context for for that ministry to take place and for that mentorship yeah. to take place. And the the partnership of it not all being on the pastor to train this person, but you mm -hmm. guys are coming in and 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 uh, coming in yeah. from the and from, the school from side. our side, really like cool. you we value learning by doing so much for yeah. equipping people for ministry. So from our side, it's like, Oh man, they are doing hands-on ministry while they're taking these classes. This is perfect. Um, so we, it's a really good partnership that I think blesses the church and blesses the school. Um, and, and it doesn't feel like to the, to the pastor, like you're trying to, take this uh, person away from me, but exactly. it's like, they're getting the benefit of their being trained. And then, yeah, maybe they're going to go out and, and go somewhere else eventually or something like that. But, you know, uh, they're being trained through the school, but also in the context of the local church. And yeah. so, yeah, I, ju I just see so much benefit there. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. I love what you're doing. We're, we're excited about that. My wife just had a, a Q and a session last night. She was leading, she taught one of the first classes and then one of the pastors that taught a class was on there and um, just really, really good time. Um, so we, one of the things we really love is doing a ministry training school under and within a local church. It's an amazing setting to do this, not to be independent and doing our own thing and trying to find resources and connections for, you know, uh, mission trips and teachers and all of these things like a lot of our pastors are heavily involved in the teaching this class
Oh, we're coming back. Oh, we're coming back. There we go. We got it. <laughs> a lot of the pastors are super involved. Like I lead our local church leadership track for a year or two, and I partner each student with a pastor for their ministry hours. Um, and so they're doing six to eight hours a week of ministry under that pastor. Um, and all of these opportunities that we have to place students in ministry are happening because we're doing it within a local church. Um, yeah, yeah. It makes a massive difference. And it's a bigger church, right? So there is a lot of structure, a lot of help that we get, um, but it's really a wonderful setup. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, well, just if you would reiterate one more time, uh, who uh, who should go to this school or who should uh, at least, you know, check it out to find out if it might be a fit for them or something like that? Yeah. Um, our year one program is designed for, you know, someone who's 18 to 25 and they want to they want to grow in their faith. They want to understand how to minister to people and really just take a year to seek the Lord. Um, and um, you're going to meet God in an amazing way and get some experience in ministry and go on a mission trip like you very well could lead someone to Christ on the mission field just in that one year. And so, um, yeah, our team that went to South Africa saw like a whole village of people watch the Jesus film and raise their hands to follow Jesus. It was amazing. Um, and so year one is, is designed for people who are, you know, not sure what's next or they know what's next. They just want to take a gap year before they go to college or just start a job. Um, and then our year two program after year one is for people that want to go into full-time ministry. They continue into that. They pick a track, missions, local church, and campus revival um, options. Mm. And we, we get them experience in that specialty, and we go a little deeper. They're becoming leaders at the school. They're taking more in-depth Bible classes. Um, and all, both those programs are like 18 to 25 year olds, college age students. And then year three, we place them out in a residency doing ministry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we have a local part-time program and this online part-time program called launch. And those are both for working adults. Um, the, our local one um, is more for anybody. It's just for anybody who wants to learn um, about, you know, theology and scripture and ministry and um, going deeper in their walk with the Lord. But this online part-time program is for working adults that want to transition into ministry, um, into full-time, full-time ministry. So that's kind of what those Love programs that. are aimed at. Hmm? And you got the website up there. Radiant.school is our website. You can find out more about all the programs on there. Um, we want to train and send out you know, the next generation of pastors and missionaries to reach on. Uh, the world for Jesus. Um, and there is such huge potential and opportunity for that. Um, and the God's doing amazing things uh, here, even greater than we expect. You know, some of our students through no, um, you know, no, no program we did just this past week, they've been praying for healing and just seeing people get healed. Um, and God's doing really cool stuff here. Um, lead, students leading people to Jesus, going on trips, um, and just getting hands-on ministry experience. Love it, man. Yeah. So cool. Uh, well, Josh, thank you again, brother. Thanks for doing this with me. Appreciate you. It's been awesome to yeah. reconnect with you to hear about um, what has happened in your life over the past 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> been a ride, man. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, moving back and forth. 
from coast to coast. I can't. Uh -huh. It's still, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, but I love I'm it, man. Now. I love what you're doing now. I'm good now. We bought a house. I, yeah. I don't want to move. <laughs> I'm putting down roots. Yeah. Not yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Uh, very cool. So, um, yeah, well, um, uh, thank you again. Love what you're doing and, uh, thanks for sharing it with us and, uh, everybody, thank you guys for taking the time to check out, uh, this episode. I pray that the content blessed you or challenged you in some way. I appreciate you guys again for being here. Um, if you uh, would find it in your heart to, uh, maybe subscribe on one of the podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, leaving a review, uh, helps this podcast to continue to grow so that we can get in front of more people and, uh, yeah, just reach more people with these conversations that are hopefully, um, transformational on some level and, uh, check out uh, radiant.school. If you fall into any one of those categories, if you're passionate about revival, about awakening taking place in this country and you are, uh, or around the world and you're looking for, uh, some way to learn more, to go deeper, to, uh, grow in your relationship with God, to uh, grow in in your uh, grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you fall into any one of those categories that uh, that Josh mentioned, uh, check out the Radiant School of Ministry at radiant.school and see if any one of those programs might be uh, beneficial to you. And uh, Josh, thanks again, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. See you next time, everybody.